0: Well, one thing that I've seen with personality tests is people will take them and then I think we take them too seriously. And it's just a guide to help us understand ourselves better, to help understand our spouse better, maybe to understand our children or friends better. But some folks take it so seriously that when they find out about their spouse and if there's already conflicts going on in the marriage over money and the couple hasn't learned a healthy way to work through conflict, it's very tempting and easy that when a spouse does something that, you know, maybe the husband does something or the wife does something that the spouse doesn't like and they go, you know, that's just your personality. And I knew you would act like that. I knew that you would, you wouldn't agree to this uh, decision that we're making. I knew that you wouldn't want to put a budget together or follow a budget or whatever it is. And they using that uh, personality, that information from a personality test as a weapon.
1: This is Life, Love, and Money with Dr. Angela K. Love, the podcast for couples who want to get a handle on their finances and strengthen their marriage at the same time. We take deep dives into the money challenges most married couples face and get real about them, plus practical tips on how to ensure a rock-solid future for your money and your marriage. Now, Dr. Angela K. Love.
0: Welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Angela K. Love.
1: And I'm Phil Love. Welcome to the podcast Life, Love, and Money. Thank you for joining us today. Ange, one thing that you mentioned that really piqued my interest is how personality traits impact how you make money decisions. Can you explain a little more of what you mean by that?
0: When I was going through that program at Creighton University to get my financial psychology and behavioral finance graduate certificate, we talked about uh, different things that has to do with psychology, and one of the things was personality traits, and we touched on that in one of the classes. But I dug deeper into that and learned that there's different personalities. You know, obviously everybody has a different personality, but when you bring that into marriage and also money decisions, it can lead to a lot of conflict because we're all unique. God created us uniquely and different, and that has a huge impact. Our personalities, which are you know, we're born with that and then also our life experiences. And so we tend to view money differently and our personalities really drive or can drive our money decisions.
1: How would one go about discovering what their personality traits are?
0: There's different tests out there. There's a lot of popular ones. There's Myers-Briggs, there's the Pace Palette, there's DISC, there's the Enneagram. And the one that I like, which isn't really known very well, but has been around since the 1930s, is the Big Five personality test.
1: Yeah, I remember I did the Myers-Briggs when I was in banking school. And then one of my employers, we did a thing with the Pace Palette, trying to understand how you could better communicate with each other. But you said you like this one that's different than that. Tell me why you like that one better.
0: Well, the reason why I like the Big Five Personality Test is for several reasons. One is it's free. It's an open source and it was created back in the 1930s. So it's dependable and it can be compared to other personality tests. Like the Myers Briggs, if you know your results from the Big Five personality test you can take that and kind of convert it into just by doing some research into Myers-Briggs if you want to know about that and I also like it because it's offered in 20 different languages if you go on my website and you click the link you can pick the language that you want so we have daughter-in-law and she's from China and her first language is Chinese and even though she's fluent in English she can think and process information a lot faster when it's in her language uh, Chinese her first language and so she could choose Chinese if she wanted to and then the other thing is when you do the test you get a code and you can take that code and if you save that you print out your personality test before you close out of the window you can save it as a pdf or print it and it'll have a code and if you take that code and enter it in and enter in your spouse's code then you can compare your personality test and you can also do it with friends or family and it's a lot of fun
1: so to for them to take the test what they need to do is go to your website and you have a link there right
0: yes so you would just go to my website angelaklove.com and K is spelled K-A-Y-E, so it's AngelaKLove.com. Then you would just scroll down to the middle of the screen, the home screen, and right there you'll see the big five personality traits test. You just click on that link. It'll take you to that page, and then you'll see the link to go take the quiz.
1: What are some limitations of these personality tests that you've come across?
0: Well, one thing that I've seen with personality tests is people will take them, and then I think we take them too seriously, and it's just a guide to help us understand ourselves better, to help understand our spouse better, maybe to understand our children or friends better. But some folks take it so seriously that when they find out about their spouse and if there's already conflict going on in the marriage over money and the couple hasn't learned a healthy way to work through conflict, it's very tempting and easy that when a spouse does something that you know maybe the husband does something or the wife does something that the spouse doesn't like and they go you know that's just your personality and I knew you would act like that I knew that you would you wouldn't agree to this uh, decision that we're making I knew that you wouldn't want to put a budget together or follow a budget or whatever it is and they using that uh, personality that information from a personality test is a weapon and so that's one limitation a second limitation is using the personality test is an excuse for behavior. So instead of saying the devil made me do it, it's, oh, well, that's just my personality and I can't help it. And I don't think we should use the personality test or the results from any personality test as a crutch to not take responsibility or to not want to try or to want to change. And so it's just a guide and you can change your attitudes and your behaviors and your choices. It just takes a lot of work. And so those are two limitations That I can think of right off the top of my head.
1: I would think that on these personality tests, since you're basically just answering some questions, that they could change from time to time, whether it's different seasons in your life or just different things that you're working through at that time, that and you could have completely different answers. Have you found that to be the case?
0: Absolutely. I think that it's easy that if we're going through a difficult time, if we're struggling at work, if we if we just had a fight with us, our spouse, if we had a fight with a you know, an adult sibling, or whatever it is that's going on, or you didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, I think that that could skew the results. And um, because you're answering it through that lens, I also think that if you're not completely honest, because you're like, well, I want to be viewed as this type of person, I want to be seen as a person that's this way or that way. And so you're not fully honest with the way that you answer the questions. And there is no right or wrong way to answer personality traits test, you want to be as honest as possible, because you really truly know yourself and your spouse knows you. And it makes sense to just answer those questions uh, without trying to skew the results. So you want to be true to the test, you want to be true to the answers.
1: Let's go over some of the categories of the big five personality test. Um, what are those?
0: The first one is, and I like to use an acronym, OCEAN. Some people use the acronym CANOE, and I like to use the acronym just because it helps me remember when someone asks me what the different traits, the five different personality traits are. And so OCEAN, I use, that's what I use. And so the first one is openness. The second one is conscientiousness. The third one is extroversion. The fourth one is agreeableness, and the fifth one is neuroticism.
1: I think we probably should explore why you choose OCEAN to use for your remembering <laughs> your an acronym. Does this have anything to do with your love of finding seashells and fishing and stuff like that?
0: Absolutely. I, As you know, I love to go shelling, and we're recording this through Zoom right now, and I'm actually at a conference where I'm one of the speakers doing a breakout session, and I'm... I already spent time on the beach looking for shells and that's a lot of fun and I, so i picked that acronym over canoe but canoe i mean that's also on the water so i love the water and but i went with ocean
1: let's talk about the first one that you had here that's openness if you had somebody that scores in before we do that we should probably back up a little bit because When a person takes the test, you score everything in whatever your category is. Is it possible that you're kind of open and conscientious or open and extroverted at the same time? I mean score kind of work.
0: You could be high on openness and extroversion. I'm high on conscientiousness and agreeableness. You're high on openness and conscientiousness and agreeableness, and then a little bit lower on extroversion. But I think that, like I said, depending on what's going on in your life and how you answer the questions, you may have some things that'll uh, come out a little bit higher, but that might not be your norm. The way that the test breaks it down is it has subcategories within each of the five categories you could be high in an area within a subcategory and lower in an area in a subcategory of a main of one of the main categories
1: so you're probably going to score something in each of these it's just some of them you score higher than others
0: right it's not like you would be oh i'm high in conscientiousness and then i I'm not open at all. I'm a zero. It's not like that. It's just that it's where you tend to gravitate towards most of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So back on openness, can you describe a person who ranks real high on openness and what they're like?
0: So someone who is really high on openness, they're very creative, they're imaginative, they're down to earth, and they like to think outside the box. Um, if you're doing paste palette, that's would be known as a red, uh, the person who likes to think outside of the box. They're the ones that are like, there is no box. And they're very creative individuals. They're very perceptive. They're also very intelligent. They like to research, but they're the ones that come up with just really great ideas. They're visionaries. And that is what an open person is
1: so in regards to money how would an open person approach savings or investing
0: a person who's high on openness when it comes to money they're the ones that if they have a financial planner or a friend let's say they're like oh I I heard about this really great stock or I heard about this uh, really good investment opportunity they're the ones that will be more open toward looking at that they're more apt to invest in different financial options they might be more diversified in in their financial portfolio, they tend to have higher savings and their purchases tend to be more diverse. They're more like the risk takers uh, rather than being risk adverse.
1: So they're going to look at a bunch of different to- types of investments or savings vehicles and are not afraid to look at something outside your typical credit union or bank CD or something like that. How does an open person approach work?
0: When it comes to work, they're not ones that are really like routine they're not those really task-oriented, focused people. Although they're very perceptive and creative, they're the ones that if you were looking for, how can we change this? How can we be innovative? Those would be the ones you would want to go to. If you had a business and you had a product that was not was doing really well, but all of a sudden isn't doing well, they would be the ones that you would want to go to and say, how can we make these changes? And they're your innovative thinkers.
1: How do open people approach spending like big purchases or stuff? like that
0: they would look at doing a big purchase but they would want to research that purchase they would because they like the intellectual aspect they're the ones that are going to take the time to look at what does this purchase mean, what is the best way to go about doing that, but they're more open to making large purchases than maybe someone who's conscientious.
1: Hmm. So is it possible that if you have a, a spouse that's really high on openness and you have another one that is real, let's just, this isn't one of your traits, but it's real conservative in terms of they don't like going outside normal avenues that they've grown up in, in terms of saving or spending. Ending or something like that, but the open person already has researched, already has done all this other stuff. Does that create any sort of potential conflict that you have between the two spouses?
0: Sure. If you had someone who is high in conscientiousness, they like patterns, they like structure, they totally believe in the box. And we'll get into conscientiousness more in the next episode. This episode is part one of three, I believe. And we get into conscientiousness in the next episode, but a person who's high in conscientiousness, that person person who likes routine, they like structure, they don't like surprises, they don't like big purchases without planning and without adding it to the budget, a person high in openness will be more open to probably creative financing or financing opportunities. They would be the ones that would be more like, well, I really want to get this uh, vehicle or a large purchase or whatever they want to do. So let's pull some from our savings and some from our retirement plan and some from, you know, we'll do a loan over here. And they are the ones that probably a little bit be further ahead than someone who's high in conscientiousness. You know, they're ready to go, whereas person high in conscientiousness who's would be a little bit more conservative and reserved and how money is spent, they're going to have to kind of help them along or the conscientiousness person is the one that's going to kind of maybe help rein them back a little bit and rein back the, the openness person. And that can cause conflict, especially if you get into like a power struggle.
1: Hmm. So are there any other features about openness or if somebody scores high in that category that we should know about?
0: A lot of times someone who's high in openness, like I said, they are very creative and imaginative. They have a lot of ideas. They're your visionaries. And if they have a spouse, who's high in conscientiousness or one of the other ones that... Aren't creative, that can cause some conflict there. You just have to be patient. And I think with us, you tend to be more of the visionary. You know, you're more of the there is no box. I'm more of a here is the box. We need to stay within the parameters, you know, or the boundaries of this box. And, but we help each other out and we've learned over time. I think we had some conflict early in our marriage because we were so different with that. But I think over time, we realized you could come up with the idea and I could make it happen. That's really the way I think that married couples should. Look at their personality traits rather than fighting against each other. Is how can we use our personality traits to make our lives, our marriage more healthy and blend those and help each other out? All
1: right. Well, that's a great discussion. And I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast, Life, Love, and Money. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. And, Ange, can you tell them how they can find out about more episodes or where they can go?
0: There's two options. Options, you can hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening to the podcast. The other way that you could do it, which would be great, is if you signed up for the weekly digest. You can go on my website, Angela K, and K is spelled K-A-Y-E. It's AngelaKLove.com, and you scroll down to the bottom and you can sign up for the weekly digest. And when you sign up for that, you get a free copy of my financial audit PDF. And that's a really great tool to help you go through and do a financial audit on your finances. If you sign up for that weekly digest, you'll start getting an email once a week that will let you know that the next podcast is ready to go and also have a couple of the past ones.
1: All right, great. Well, thank you all for listening today. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.